0: Hello and welcome to WordPress Marketing, the podcast which teaches you how to climb to the top of the WordPress business ladder from those who have already climbed it. I'm Joe Lobo and today I'm joined by the co-founder and CTO of Codable, Tomash Jaman. Codable is the number one marketplace for WordPress freelancers. Tomash explained to me how he got his first investment, how the company grew, how they attracted the most lucrative projects and much more. So here I am with Tomasz Zaman, the um, co-founder of Codable. Tomasz, thank you for joining us on WordPress Marketing.
1: Well, you're welcome.
0: And uh, as you were alluding to before, uh, before we started recording, you uh, just come back from holiday with your kids. And um, one of the things I kind of wanted to know was what's, what's your daily routine like now? Obviously, as a co-founder, I imagine you're very busy every day and there's always a host of things that you need to do each day.
1: Uh yes um my days are quite hectic to be honest especially lately that were that the whole company is transitioning into a bit more um We, we use the term corporate, but we're not a real, like a big corporation. Uh, We're just a team of 19 people right now. Uh, but we're transitioning into more, a bit of hierarchy, if that's, yeah, the right term. Um, so basically I'm just trying to help all the people transition successfully, uh, by taking away the mundane parts of their work. Like if I can help them with some, you know, databases or some basic code or whatnot, so they can focus on tasks. Their 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 tasks. Uh, that's what I do. So basically, every day brings something new, and there's no um, set schedule for me to work on. I mean, obviously, there is an overarching narrative that I stick to, uh, but day to day, it may vary uh, quite significantly. On one day, I'll help the marketing team; on the other day i'll help support on third day i'll help the developers so it depends on the day <laughs> uh, how, What? Are you, how many hours are you working a day as a rule um that depends as well um now that the company is a bit bigger and we have uh delegated me and pair some of the tasks to our employees the hours are not that crazy so um i may work anywhere between five or 12 hours depends on the day sometimes it takes to work on on a weekend especially if the servers misbehave which is rare but does happen uh, or we have a nasty bug then then i'll pull an all-nighter but those are extremely rare now um so yeah it depends sometimes i'll I'll work three hours because of family occupations or maybe traveling to conferences or whatnot so it, it it greatly varies honestly there isn't like an eight to nine hour schedule in my life i imagine back in 2012 when you first started codable
0: i think i imagine things were very different and you were working a lot longer hours and and i suppose my question is um how did you first come up with Codeable, and what was it like in those first initial months working on it? Uh,
1: yes. So the, my, my career started um, in college when I approached my professor to make a website for the university I studied at uh, here in Slovenia. And they, to my surprise, they said yes. Um, and that's kind of how I got into web development but soon, um, we, me and my wife, we got our first kids, twins, so we moved to a remote area here, um, and I struggled to get any work because the area is quite underdeveloped from a web perspective. Um, so I found this beautiful world of online outsourcing services, one of which was called Elance uh, at the time. Um, so I started to work on some projects there, but quickly discovered that uh, Two, two problems. Um, one, if you sell hours, you'd have a finite amount of them uh, daily, weekly, or per whatever period. Um, so, that was the first issue, and the second was it really was a kind of cutthroat competition to win those projects because some developers would bid really low, as low as $4 an hour, which was something I couldn't afford to live off. After, after working for a couple of weeks, months on Elance, I luckily got a client that paid me well, uh, treated me well, like didn't put some crazy milestones, like short milestones. He also had some issues on, on Elance in particular when he hired clients, uh, sorry, when he hired developers, they he would have to sift through through 50 even 100 of them sometimes for his, I don't know, couple of grand worth projects uh, which was a huge time uh, waster for him. So at, at some point in our two-ish year relationship i said listen i'm kind of fed up with this elance and i think we could do something better and i'm a developer by trade so why don't you take care of the business end of things and i'll develop a platform so if you want to join this business idea i have i'll be more than happy to have you on board Uh, and this person's name is per esbenson and he's now my uh, co-founder of codable and the first I would say two years were really tough. Um, We were basically broke. We were trying to fundraise, but even explaining to people what we were trying to do was hard for us. Um, Because we would either talk too much or not enough. And, And we probably pitched the idea to like 30 people. And it wasn't until we already launched our product being completely broke that some of the investors approached us and offered some money to help us move along. And we took some of it and um, we are today where we are, a successful, profitable company.
0: <laughs> Why do you think those first investors
1: eventually said yes to you? I would say because they saw perseverance in us. Like we would work crazy hours we would pitch to everyone that would listen to us Uh, we would network as much as possible at the same time taking care of our families and still fly to conferences and different uh, startup workshops. so they saw that we're gonna do this and we knew in our hearts that we're gonna do this this with or without them so the, the biggest lesson here for me was that you will hear no from people at the beginning and and the you know the more you persevere the more people will change their minds and it's that's the name of the game i think now that i've been uh in this for for that long um yeah i guess one of the things people like yourself entrepreneurs
0: always remember is that is that first customer um do you remember the first project that you got for codable and and what happened with it
1: Honestly, I don't remember the very first project, but it was relatively (laughs) easy in retrospective to get the first customers. uh, Because what we did is uh, we reached out, even before we had a product, we reached out to WooThemes, which are uh, the people behind WooCommerce. Obviously, well, now it's owned by Automatic, but back back in the day, it was uh, by a company uh, from Cape Town, South Africa called WooThemes and we approached them and asked basically one question and that question was do you provide support as an extended support to the customers who buy your themes and the answer was no Um, so our follow-up question is would you send those people to a platform that would have x amount of pre-screened developers and we would guarantee that the work that they would would do would be of the highest quality possible. And the answer to that was, of course, yes. So when we launched, we already had one of the bigger or biggest names in the industry at the time sending us clients. So we basically earned our first $14, I think it was, on the third day after launching the company. And those $14, what that I do remember, and they, we were ecstatic happy we were <laughs> jumping in the air over 14 but it was a huge milestone for us and one worthy of celebrating i think what did you learn exactly from those experiences with your first projects that put you in good stead for getting future work the importance of customer support i would say and the importance of community because many many not many i I would say all of our competitors it's kind of every person for themselves scenario whereas we really try to nurture our community of developers of of people that provide and do the work Um, we think of them or we want them to think of each other as colleagues rather than competitors and it worked wonders for us like we still go to word well still we we go to WordCamp camp europe or WordCamp camp us every year and we host a dinner party for them this year in berlin we had 100 people coming so 100 of our experts that provide work on the platform came to the codable experts dinner in berlin and it was my heart was literally filled with joy, pride, gratitude, uh, humility, even uh, because all these people came together, had a dinner, had a couple of drinks. So, yeah, the power of community in general is something that people don't recognize fast enough and I think that half of the work for us was done by WordPress itself because WordPress is good in bringing the community together, you know, outside of Codable. Would you say that word of mouth was was an important
0: factor then in your company's growth at the start?
1: Yes, it was by by a huge uh, margin. I would say that word of mouth is by far the most important thing because when many people talk about you, it spreads outwards very fast. And we've started, still have because we've grown um, we have this network effect that people like, and I'm talking the provider side of things on Codable, so our experts, um, they they started to bring their friends who they could vouch for to Codable and people started to apply to our online form so much that we had to take it down because we couldn't process all the applications. And I think the, the, the reason for that is as well, because not the word of mouth of how of Codable, it itself but the word of mouth of codable community um, how people treat each other how we the core team treat our experts how we treat our clients um, what the standard like the high standard of communication of work and of course the high standard of pay as well um, so all of this combined combined create a, creates a good uh, i would say word of mouth slash networking effect
0: were there, especially in the early days, were there any mistakes that you made or anything you did that you, looked, that you used to improve your service further and, that, and, and helped you out in the long term?
1: Yes, um, I would outline two things here. Probably one was that we made the application unnecessarily overcomplicated. It wasn't that overcomplicated because it was just me and another developer working on it, so we had very limited resources back in the day. Um, but yeah, we did, we made some features unusable or ununderstandable for our clients, so it made it difficult for them to easily hire someone and that goes into my second mistake which was that started codable with the idea of people helping other people on small fixes because that's what i've done in my career right so i was in a sense uh scratching my itch uh, when i would provide a small fix for somebody for let's say sixty dollars or a hundred dollars right so that was our um our starting point Um, But now we've grown significantly and people have come to us posting projects north of $100,000 now, right? So the the problem here is, uh, while it's a good one uh, to have, but it's still a problem nonetheless, is that we... Um, our app was not equipped to handle those kind of, that volume or or even the wording itself was you know kind of implying that people should post small projects and even after we did a couple of uh, client surveys, we still discovered a lot of us a lot of our clients think of us as a place to solve their small issues, which is not the case anymore at least for you know five years now. Um, so we're trying to fix that issue as we go with wording inside the application with some features with our uh, website and whatnot. So how did you go about changing that in the long term? Because as you said,
0: you go on Codable now and you see a lot of big high paying projects. So what approach did you make to make sure that happened?
1: Well, we uh, first thing changed all the occurrences of the word task because we have a lot of them in in our app, in our emails, on our website. We had a lot of them anyway. Um, So we replaced the word task with project because that kind of implies that a project can be of any size as as opposed to a task, which is usually a smaller one, right? Um, However, the big step that we're taking right now is that we're doing a complete rebrand of the company. It's not public yet, it's not out yet. It will be this year, not giving any dates yet, but it will hopefully um, convey the message of what we do much, much more uh, accurately.
0: So in those early days, when you were getting feedback from your clients, what what were the overriding sort of points that they made to you that you used to improve your service further?
1: Well, they we what we mostly asked for uh, was the application structure, as in how easy it is to post a project, and furthermore, how easy or difficult, for that matter, is to communicate with your developer, because it, our platform does support uh, real time chat Uh, it always had so we we would ask them about the usability of of the application and this is something i would encourage everyone that does any kind of app development do it sooner even Uh, as soon as you can uh, run the prototypes uh, with the with some people that need to be in a potential customers groups quote unquote um so the the by far the most feedback that we got was not understanding the process flow of you know uh submitting the project getting an estimate how the estimation works and then how to hire and then how to communicate and how to get delivered uh, the work delivered so i think this um expectation management uh, process is, is something that we neglected for far too long. Um, so how do you teach people how the process through your application will go? And at the same time, how to make it as short as possible? But there's also a catch there. Like if it's too short, then you make it too easy for uh, people that don't necessarily convert that well, right? So it, you make it easy for not necessarily spammers, but people that... that don't have the budgets but just or just kind of trying to see how much something costs but don't have any intentions to pay and whatnot so yeah it's a balance and it we're still working on it i don't have a solution because it's it's not something you get done as your company grows so do your customers evolve or change or you attract new ones bigger ones from different cultures or segments um so this is i would say a never ending story we're we're still even yesterday we launched a, um, a test on our application of how, how people put in their timelines, their budgets and whatnot. Um, so yeah, it's an ever evolving process. And the important part is that you quickly do, you know, this um, implement, test, learn cycle.
0: Well, you mentioned um, spammers and people who have no intention of paying for contracts. Um, how did you guys detect or what are the warning signs that tell you that maybe that some contracts are not trustworthy uh, uh, compared to other ones?
1: It really depends. There is no silver bullet here. We, of course, we had more than a hundred thousand projects posted on the platform now. So it's getting easier and easier for us to recognize those, but it's usually, you know, a mix of, a mix of their project brief how do they describe their project usually if they're overly confident in their wording but then provide a budget that is not reflective re- reflective of that of uh, that uh, brief that's usually our first uh, kind of warning sign if if somebody says hey this should be really easy for someone that knows what they're doing right i mean People come to us because they don't know how to do something. And if they say that this should be easy or simple or fast or cheap or, you know, those are the phrases slash words that we kind of look for. And we manually evaluate every project um, just to see and we assign a viability flag on it so how viable is it and we're getting more and more accurate with this the more data we have honestly Um, but it's still a very manual process and even then some projects slip through through our fingers and then there's where our community of experts come in and they usually flag the project as in this is spam or take it down or something's wrong or you know whatever that's that's the beauty of the community that even if something slips through your fingers you get you get you have people that catch that and report it so on on the other end of that
0: scale obviously you want to avoid the spammers but you want to attract the best projects the 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 most lucrative ones um so, so so what do you do to ensure that the best quality projects appear on codable
1: first we try to partner with some of the companies that share some of our values or most of our values and provide the extended support as we did with woothemes for these companies so we already know for example that some of these companies have great clients Um, so partnering with these companies is really a natural step for us and for them and we get great clients from the get-go that would be number one number two would be to explain and worst as i said we're still working on it and hopefully the new brand will convey that much uh, more successfully is the sales slash marketing side of things well primarily marketing which you know the first driver of it is our website so the new website we're kind of hoping will not hoping uh, working on it hard in fact Um, will convey the message of what we do and more importantly to whom we want to do it much more successfully but we'll see we'll run tests we already improved the existing site with this in mind um, the results are promising so that's why we decided to go into into a rebrand um, so hopefully we'll get there um eventually but yeah it's an ever evolving process um the branding part i guess
0: so, so on the subject of the website um how did you identify that as a way for you to improve further the, the quality of the projects you get on codable
1: speaking with clients um, as in speaking in person with them not not even well, we did some remote interviews, but we did a lot of them in person as well. Um, so we would do user testing for our website, not just the application. So we would show them the website. We would give them a particular task uh, in on on a paper, uh, ask them to to try and complete that that, uh, that task, and also share their thoughts along the process with us. So that's how for example we discovered that people perceived us as a small pro- small task bug fixing company rather than, you know, a whole project providing a platform that connects great developers with clients that need them. So I I would say by far talking to people is is the most valuable thing you can do in listening to feedback, and also um, one that one one step that was unintentional but happened anyway which it was good was providing support through the live chat on our site we would get a lot of pre-sale questions there and through those questions we discovered what messages we didn't give out on the site or what what didn't what we didn't explain well enough Um, and because those questions through the customer support very quickly started to repeat themselves. So people would constantly ask similar questions. So we would get a thread out of those and try to address, well, not one thread, we got multiple and we would try to address them through various um, changes, both to the website and our application.
0: Something you mentioned that I, I find quite interesting because it seems that all the successful companies such as yourself emphasize the importance of it is talking to your clients, it's communication with them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I suppose a fairly basic question of mine is
1: how do you do it? How do you communicate with your clients? You reach out to them. Uh, Well, first, if you provide a live chat support to them, um, then they'll reach out to you, obviously. And from that alone, if you're the (laughs) shy type, I guess, uh, then then just providing a live chat button on your website is a good first step for people. To give people a means to reach out to you, and they will reach out, and they will have a lot of meaningful questions. So it's very important to listen to those questions, um, and not only answer them on a per-client basis or per prospective client basis, but on a on a wider one, meaning to make an FAQ part on your website or uh, explaining on the landing page if the question is really important of it or if it's asked often. That would be my first thing. Then second would be to find people in in your vicinity, go to them, buy them a drink and do some proper user testing. There's loads of books on that topic and it's usually not that hard. It takes five people. That's all it takes to get a couple of those major aha moments for you as the company owner, as in what the people struggle with on your service or your website or your application. All it takes is five people spending less than an hour with everyone. So my first (laughs) suggestion would be read a book like, like some Basic book, because it's not rocket science, uh, user testing, at least initially. When you're small, you know, some, some basic knowledge and talking to people, uh, in real life does 80%. Of course, once you evolve and grow uh, what you do and you have a customer base, you then send out surveys to people or schedule calls or do some user testing.com, I think it's called, as in remote user testing that somebody else does for you. But starting out, A, provide an amazing support, you'll get tons of feedback, and B, just talk to people in real life, talk to five people every half a year and you'll have a lot of work to do (laughs) for the coming years even. And besides communicating with the clients, I know something
0: that you guys at codable pride yourself on is your level of customer service. Um, Yes. So something I'm intrigued to know is how do you approach it day by day to ensure it stays at such a high standard?
1: We have a relatively... Small, all things considered, support team. But at the same time, it's also big relatively to the size of the company. Uh, I think we have seven people or eight people on support right now. And what we do is we keep a book, not not a book, it's a GitHub repository, but we call it a black book of how certain things are handled. Because, of course, with 100,000 plus projects, We've learned a lot and there's a lot of repetition. There's, there's rarely anything new these days that would surprise us. So what we did along the way, and I must thank my partner, co-founder Pear for that because he was our first customer support person for quite some time. Um, and what he did was he kept track of, of all the possible scenarios and did I would say, manual A, B (laughs) approaches, or he did what he thought was right, but then also documented his encounters with clients, with disputes, with refunds, also with people being thankful, with sending t-shirts and thank you letters and whatnot. And he kept a track of it, and we eventually produced uh, what we call a customer support black book, which now is mandatory for any new customer support hire, not only to read through it, but to understand it and then follow it uh, with a mentor, which is usually our head of support for a couple of weeks when they start. So there's a lot of content in there by now, obviously, uh, but it's good content. New hires are usually amazed by how well things are documented there, how to proceed in certain situations. In the
0: early days, um, was, were there any sort of methods you used or anything that you learned that you had to
1: change drastically when it came to customer service? No, not really. Um, I'll explain why. Uh, because pear was always, like with me, <laughs> a very talkative person. So for him, it wasn't hard to talk to people. And that proved to be the best thing and still is. Just sometimes we would avoid a refund um, and... Let me clarify, we have very little refund, like out of fifteen hundred projects a month, maybe one or two uh, refund, not percent, one or two as a number refunds. Um, so sometimes the the expectations were mismanaged, and all it takes is to listen to to the person that's complaining, and the problem goes away, right? It's not even you don't even need to do anything they'll just be grateful that you took the, your time an hour of it maybe and listen to them and then the issue will be kind of resolved on its own so this is where we're good at talking to people but there is a catch when you have a bigger company obviously your resources are limited so then you have to become better. And we're still working on it on focusing on which conversations to have as opposed to which ones to avoid.
0: As you said, you guys are very successful in terms of the completed projects and customer satisfaction. Um, mm-hmm. When you speak to people, especially the best, most valuable projects, why do you think they ultimately choose to go with Codable?
1: Uh, trust definitely definitely trust like one thing we emphasize on codable and always have and we even test this as a pre-screening process for our experts is their communication skills i can pretty much guarantee it that when things go wrong it's not because our developer didn't delivered the code or didn't know how to write the code or solve a technical issue it's never about technical issues it's always a people problem it's always a miscommunication problem so what we do is we put a lot of emphasis on our experts to be upfront candid timely with their cli- with our shared clients so to speak and if they don't stick to it we kick them out eventually like we try to teach them um, we try to give you know point some articles or we even have a black book for our develop for our experts uh, that they have to follow and a lot of scenarios are described there as well however if they don't stick to the highest possible standard of communication then they're out and this I think brings n- not only new customers but brings the old customers back and builds trust is that they're Always upfront with what's going on with their project, and secondly, that we're always around. So even if their project, the the developer goes missing or something happens, because we life is life. We do get you know somebody gets sick or they have a family emergency. They don't get back to their client. So what we do is we reached out either by reach out to our expert by phone. Hey, is everything okay? They'll say family emergency will explain it to the client so i think that peace of mind is what we give to our clients and the peace of mind makes them come back for more even when we're not the cheapest service around they're happy to pay the premium because of what we do or
0: how we do it and what percentage of your clients would you say are repeat customers more than half and how important is that for your business model
1: I I guess I would say it's equally important than new clients. We're focusing on both. So the acquisition and the retention. However, retention is easy for, well, easy, relatively speaking, because they already have a good experience with us. So getting them back when they have issues is not a huge deal for us. We don't have to advertise to them. We maybe reach out everyone once in a while to remind them we're still here. Um, And that's about it. Right. But the acquisition part, getting new clients is the more time consuming and costly um, endeavor.
0: One of the things you mentioned is the um, when it comes to your developers, the importance of communication. And I know that with Codable, you have a very rigorous process when it comes to identifying the best developers for for you. Um, How do you attract them and how do you actually try and narrow down to make sure that only the best work for you?
1: We have several tools, um, and we have a part of customer support team that does it. We had a form. I still, I think we still have a form, uh, because I'm not involved in that process as much. It's a standard application form that are the developers that want to work on Codable just use to apply to work on Codable. But that form is the first test. So we check how the form is filled out, uh, whether the grammar is correct. Doesn't need to be perfect, but you know, we need to see that their English is sufficient and good because most of our clients are from English speaking countries. So it makes sense for us to check that. We We also check their portfolio if they attach it. We check their open source contributions if they have it. So there's a lot of Work involved even in screening their application forms without actually talking to them yet, um, and then they get either denied because we were we were like the the application form text didn't pass, or they get into the second round, and then they, then we do several interviews. One of which is pair programming. The second one is a communication interview, and even pair my partner then finally kind of welcomes uh, the ones that pass all the three tests into the codable family we call it and then it's not over yet we monitor all new experts for about a month and we try to do our best to make them successful uh, because it takes a bit of different mindset to be a codable expert as in we are a platform but we behave like an agency so pair the ceo he will call experts if they do something wrong he will explain to them what they did wrong he will explain to them how to improve or what courses to take how to educate themselves or correct their behavior whatever so we do a lot of management of people of experts on our side so if a new expert that passed all the tests doesn't do well in an environment when where he kind of has a boss in a way Uh, then they usually don't succeed. But those that succeed in the first week are stay with us for years. We still have some experts that started with us uh, like seven years ago, and they're still active on the platform and they still make money on the platform. And they're basically full-time working through Codable. Given that you have such a high quality of developers,
0: do you think that plays a large factor in the fact that you do get these lucrative projects coming to Codable?
1: Yes, increasingly so, honestly, like we started, we started to attract even some of the, I know they wouldn't appreciate it, so I won't name names, but celebrity developers, right? Those that contribute to the WordPress core or are very active in some WordPress related communities or others. Uh, we started to attract the big names in the industry on the developer side i think that kind of boosts our our image like if we have several not only one or two but plenty of elite developers on the platform then i think people perceive us as being you know like high, higher however it's also just within the wordpress we call it the bubble as in we're inside the bubble so, meaning that a client that needs or have their website done with WordPress, they don't really mostly care. They don't even know like if they meet a celebrity developer i'm I'm doing air quotes here <laughs> uh, so if they if they get a celebrity developer working from them for them uh, chance, like high chances are they won't even know, uh, because they don't care. And they're not in the WordPress, let's call it ecosystem that they would know. We know we feel good about it. Um, but the, the developer themselves, they usually don't think of themselves as celebrities. Um, so yeah, but it does, it does elevate our position in the WordPress bubble Ecosystem and that does kind of sip out outwards, right? Because somebody from the WordPress will be asked by somebody that's not in WordPress, "Hey, I have a site on WordPress. Where do I get it fixed, upgraded, migrated? Blah blah." And of course, the first thing they'll it'll come to mind is they'll say, "Hey, you should try Codable." You, you mentioned before
0: about with your
1: developers about the importance of them having a grasp
0: of the english language um Mm -hmm. i imagine given the size of codable you must get projects from all around the world do you you need to offer different approaches based on different languages and different markets to try and attract the best projects from all around the world uh
1: no not yet i guess uh but that yet is (laughs) far in the future um because the majority of our customers comes from the U.S. and, or let's say Western EU or Western countries in general, where the standard of living is a bit higher than elsewhere. So, and even, uh, and our pricing reflects that. So the, the, qual- the high quality of our services of people, of prices for that matter, kind of makes us interesting mostly to the Western markets, which are mostly English proficient. At least they, you know, understand it and can write some basics. We do get some clients from other countries that post their projects in in languages we don't understand, but it's usually not a problem because we have experts from all around the world as well. And somebody will pick it up, almost always and then there'll be a natural choice for that client um but for now we don't have any plans to expand out of english uh, language just because we i I think we haven't gotten to to a position yet we don't have the majority of possible market or we're not even close for that matter so not yet (laughs) and speaking
0: of um Multilingual clients. I know that you guys obviously work with us at WPML and have a partnership, a successful mm-hmm. one. Um, mm-hmm. h- how do you guys identify the best companies to work with for your partnerships that will see you getting the best paid jobs?
1: Meeting them in person. Um, meeting them in person is underrated. Um, we go to WordCamps camps a lot, obviously. Uh, and we talk to people, and we click with people, and then we say, listen, we should totally partner up, Um, and they're usually (laughs) for it, Um, that was our main kind of driver for quite some time, now we're getting more into the um, kind of cold calling area, not calling, but emailing people, but they've already either heard of us, or met us, or met one of us at a conference, so it's usually, and, and the 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 people that advertise or have booths at word camps are all nice people and it's very fun friendly to meet them uh, every once in a while so i guess it's just a natural thing for us to talk to them and then at some point offer a partnership because they like almost everyone needs some help from time to time so if we can get ourselves ingrained in people's minds that Codable is the place where you get help, regardless of how simple or complex it is, then that's a huge win for us. You mentioned at the
0: start, the importance of word of mouth. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine now, given the size of Codable, things have changed and you don't um, you don't just have word of mouth, but you can use other strategies to promote yourself. Um, mm-hmm. What have you found are the best marketing channels to, to get Codable out there?
1: That... Perfectly goes from your previous questions question and that is partnerships. Um, we've discovered by far the most effective solution in terms of promoting Codable is through partners because a we our website our current one our old brand let's call it doesn't convey the message of who we are and what we do that well well it does now but it it that wasn't always the case. So the partners would do a lot of our work for us basically because what we discovered in all of our partners pretty much is that they don't offer what we offer which is perfect they offer their core service which is either selling plugins or themes uh, or you know providing hosting but they don't do any custom development nobody has a central repository of de- of high quality developers for wordpress everybody knows someone <laughs> but there's not one single place you could send people to um, so this this the, and the and our promise of quality makes it even more and and our stats which we share with our partners makes it even more appealing for them to have a reliable partner that they can hand off their clients to um, and, and maintain a high level of confidence that their client will be happy. So by far, I would say the partnerships um, have worked for us the best. We tried at uh, click, uh, pay-per-click advertising, Facebook, uh, Google, spend ten- tens of thousands on, of dollars on those. We didn't really get any significant results. Like by far partnerships, hands down, is, is what works for us uh, the most. Tomasz, um, you've given me a great deal of your time and I appreciate it. And
0: I've I've learned a lot as well. So um, thank you for joining us here, WordPress Marketing. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you to my guest, Tomasz Jaman from Codable. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. I'm Joe Lobo and I'll see you next time.